G'day everyone and welcome along to another Tune Under podcast. The season has started and what a way to start it as well. Uh, so joining me tonight for uh, what is sure to be a bit of a uh, an exciting time for us as Newcastle fans to start the season off with such a bang uh, is Dimmy and Lee. Um, how are you boys both doing? I'm all right. Got a bit of a croaky throat, but uh, <laughs> I'm otherwise all right. Too much shouting at the TV or, or not enough uh, not enough sleep? Hi, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm good. I'm good. I'm buzzing. It's been a huge week for uh, not only Newcastle, but obviously for Australian football for the Matildas. They're Indeed, into the semi final yeah. to play the uh, the unwashed Pommies on Wednesday. So uh, looking forward to that. There's there's the Newcastle fans from the UK <laughs> all all out the door now. Cheers, Dimmy. <laughs> oh, really? No, it's all good. No, it's been a been a huge week of sport for everyone. Um, so look, uh, we've 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 been hanging out for for the season to start, but um, don't think any of us really expected a uh, a five one drubbing of Aston Villa. What a result! What a game! Um, so we'll go through all of this today. We'll we'll touch on the big talking points of the match. But uh, first, if you do like what we do, um, if you're new to the channel uh, on YouTube, please drop us a like, subscribe. Uh, if you are watching or listening, sorry, on a uh, audio podcast, uh, we're available on Spotify and, and Apple Podcasts. Um, drop us a five-star review. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, and of course, if you're watching on YouTube, drop us some comments below and we'll get back to you um, on those as well. So without uh, wasting any more time, let's get into this. Um, what what a uh, what a buzz uh, running off the back of that. Um, touching on the, uh, the team lineups, um, obviously... Uh, We'll go through kind of like just the just the the main talking points. Uh, Tanali Gordon both started for Newcastle. Um, pretty much the uh, familiar back five that we we've come to uh, expect from Newcastle at the moment uh, after Shah was past fit, and uh, Alexander Isak started up front uh, over Wilson. But um, obviously the Tanali starting, I think that was the big talking point. I think most of us were a little bit unsure whether how was going to throw him in from the start, um, given his track record with other players. Uh, Demi, how, how good were you uh, expecting him to play? Um, and we'll obviously get on to exactly how well he did play, but um, what did you make of that as the, as the starting lineup choices from Eddie Howe? I wasn't surprised, obviously, with the back five. That was... Pretty stock standard when we knew Cher was was going to play, but but with Tenali, I, I didn't think Eddie had it in him to start him. Obviously, we've seen what he's done before with with Bruno and even Botman last year, game one, he was on the bench as well. It was Burn and Shah starting at centre back, so he has a tendency to not start the big name signing straight in the, in the eleven. But obviously, Tenali's been with us most of the preseason, if not all the preseason. So he's been there. He's played a lot of minutes. Whereas Longy, who potentially people thought were going to start, he's only played maybe the last game or so and has been slightly injured. So from that perspective, maybe you could see where Eddie was thinking. But uh, but yeah, it was a pleasant surprise to see Tonali starting. Yeah, I don't think there was... Um, uh, me personally, I wasn't expecting Longstaff to start because he is that little bit behind everyone else because of injury uh, in terms of his preseason setup. But I think most of us were expecting... Anderson to maybe get a start given his preseason, but you know, 
Karma heads prevailing. Eddie Howe, he knows more than us. Uh, he's he's not going to put too much pressure on him. Um, he's still only twenty. Let's let's remember that. I, I'm sure he's got a big part to play this season. Um, Lee, what did you make of the starting lineup? And um, would you have changed anything if you were Eddie Howe? Obviously, uh, without the results. Uh, I think um, I think Tenali made perfect sense. If you ask me, I think um, he has looked he hasn't looked the best in preseason. Let's not pretend he was like tearing the place up in preseason or anything like that. He has had to um, get to know his teammates, get another system, get another manager. Yeah, um, get his get fitness the, levels up. Get his fitness levels up. Getting getting get used to how the team plays. That that very high fitness, high press style that we uh, we do so well um but i'm not surprised he started him i mean it it, it cost a bunch of money he's he's got a huge amount of experience in uh, ASC milan of course as a captain um champions league experience as well so it didn't surprise me at all to see him now i'm actually really happy he did start in fact i think that's that's a massive confidence boost to tonali if he, if he needed it if he if he even needed it i'm not sure he even did but um i think that was just a, a great move from eddie to to get him uh into the game right at the start um, Gordon, I kind of thought that it might have went with uh, Barnes and Gordon either side, um, but it, uh, you know, it might be difficult to drop someone like Almiron, who is and has been a brilliant play, uh, player for for us uh, over the last season and then even through the preseason. Um, so I guess he just decided that Barnes was sort of newish, and let's just get uh, on with Gordon. Um, and then <clears throat> I actually did expect Wilson to start. With him, with him getting 18 goals last season, he's, in my opinion, still our kind of main striker. Um, he is getting old, obviously, but um, Eddie went with Isaac, and uh, let's be honest, it worked out all right, didn't it? Yeah, not 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 to be sniffed at. Um, Aston Villa, uh, pretty familiar side from what they played last season. Um, obviously, Buendia is out for the season with an ACL by the by the sounds of things. Um, so. Let's be let's let's be honest. That's probably his season done. Um, we'll oh. see him again next season. That's going to be a huge blow for Aston Villa. Um, he's he's kind of like almost their Bruno, where everything kind of runs through him, and he and he dictates that that team a little bit. So, um, yeah, I'm sure they they're all disappointed that he's out. Um, Diaby started, um, so a new new boy um, that we were heavily linked with. Uh, but the surprise for me was Tielemans was on the bench. So. Uh, Lee, did you did you think Tielemans should have could have started, or is it just um, you know Unai is uh, doing Unai things, swapping <laughs> things around? Well, look, he's he's a he's a very accomplished manager. He's a very good manager. You just have to look at what he did last season when he came in to know that he knows he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, Villa were fantastic when he came in last season, all the way to the end. Um, I I don't know how. I mean, the thing about the likes of. Um, Oh God, I've already forgotten his name. What we talking about Tillemans? The problem with Tillemans is he he doesn't do any running. He doesn't tend to yeah. be a runner. Um, so maybe uh, maybe the idea was to have a bit of pace inside this Villa team. I mean, they do have pace anyway, but perhaps um, Emery, <clears throat> Emery was a little bit concerned about that in the middle, particularly if you knew that Tonali and Bruno were going to be in there. Um, otherwise, not really. I think it's kind of about what you would expect, isn't it? Um, you're always going to see Watkins up top. Um, yeah, I think it was probably probably as you would have expected. Yeah, I think I think Tillemans is doing the usual thing. I think of what he normally does when he came on the pitch. He, he looked like he was 
orchestrating the game quite well, had some good touches, but would go missing for sure, like for, for bursts of the game. It like wasn't wasn't kind of like this this presence all the time. And I think at the time that he came on, I think obviously we'll get to the game, but um I think Villa probably needed him to sort of put his foot on the ball and really control it. But he seemed to kind of like drift in and out of the game. And when he was in, he was doing really well. When he was out, you may as well have just not been on the pitch. So um, obviously Diaby was a huge target for us, Dimi. Uh, I mean, were you gutted to see him leave uh, for another club? Or um, are you kind of... We'll, we'll, we'll touch on his, his actual contributions to the team and why we think maybe um, we weren't as interested in as we maybe maybe would have been. But look, I mean it looked like the oh, certainly on the on the um the coverage that we saw, they were suggesting it was like a four four two. Um does anyone play four four two these days? No, I heard him say that I heard him say that was his favorite formation. Yeah, sure that's that's, that. that's bizarre. That's that's very bizarre for the for the modern game. Yeah. Um I reckon Craig was probably deviled when he saw the RP start. <laughs> <laughs> I think Craig Craig had his sights set on him. He had his hopes up for him. Um, look, he's a cracking player. Don't get me wrong, um, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll touch on some of his some of his potential drawbacks maybe um, as we go through. Uh, but let's get on to the game. Um, we may as well not waste any more time. So first goal didn't take long to arrive. Uh, six minutes on the clock. Uh, Bruno runs through has a has an absolute blast from outside the box from distance. Um, sort of heats up the goalkeeper's hands if he needed it uh but uh parried it out straight to gordon um, it was a cracking shot to be honest the keeper did well to save it uh but uh, yeah gordon gordon gets the ball passes it back to joe linton in midfield uh joe linton then finds gordon again who runs forward crosses the ball in and uh straight onto the run of uh our new boy sandro tonali um, what a way to open your account. What a way, what a finish it was, to be honest, as well. Beautiful run through, great ball from Gordon. Perfect team goal yet again, and I'm going to come back to this because a few of our goals uh, in this game were, were very, very team-oriented goals. Um, look, Demi, how, how good was it to score on, on six minutes in the clock and how good was it to see Sandro Tonali score but also the reaction for the whole team getting behind him? Yeah, it was a typical start to a St. James's Park game, to be honest. We were we were battering them early. We were right on top of them. We weren't letting them out, out of our half. And not to say a goal was coming, but pressure was, was telling. And and like you said, the move was beautiful. It was a lovely one too with Gordon and Joe Linton. And the cross was just begging for someone to run onto it. And thank goodness Tonali, he made that late run. He timed it perfectly. And it looked a bit awkward to finish, but he knew exactly what he was doing. And for us to get that early start to convert the the dominance and the and the sort of up, uplifting nature of the game it was it was a great start for us and and for Tonali to score his first goal so early in, in his Newcastle career is a great confidence boost for him on top of the fact that Eddie said you're going to be starting our first game but to get a goal in the first six minutes it's fantastic for him and to just boost his confidence that he can he can make a huge impact on on the Premier League straight away. Yeah, Lee. I mean, it was, you couldn't wish to to boost the confidence of a new signing um, who apparently doesn't want to be here, but uh, he seemed to celebrate <laughs> that goal pretty well. I'm sure, I saw a smile break out on his face just ever so slightly. <laughs> it was a slight sort of side of his mouth just go up a little bit. Ah, um, oh, that was fantastic. Um, lovely one-two down the wing with Gordon, who was full of running straight from the off, um, and he looked a bit like a person who's been trained with the team a little bit longer than some of the other guys. So he 
it looks like there was start of an understanding going on down that side. Um, and, and he was like that through much of the first half anyway, Gordon. He was he was electric, he was fantastic. He's gonna be yeah. honestly, he's gonna be a brilliant sign for us. He really is. Um, and he's obviously coming off the back of a great summer. But the cross was one of those ones where you just wanted to go, you wanted to go into the area. There was a lot of bodies around it. You just wanted to go in the area. He manages to clip it high enough just to evade the defender. I think the defender tried to get up there, didn't he? And yeah. header it, and yeah. he just kind of gets, you know, just above his head, and then drops. And then Tonali has the presence of mind. Um, you can actually watch him. He's slowly coming to the box as the as the move progresses down the side, and then as the ball comes in, he sort of looks forward and realizes an opportunity there's a gap, and he just makes that move forward to get into the space where the ball drops. So that was wonderful anticipation, of course. But I really like the way he, um, I mean, he's, he's he's sort of jumping feet, feet forward or something. I, I'm trying to forget exactly, I'm sort of forgetting exactly how he did it, but he sort of hooks the ball in the opposite direction to the way it came, which kind of deceives um, Martinez in goal and gives him absolutely no chance. But it was a, that's the, you'd imagine that kind of thing can go like a million times wrong and you just have to get it exactly right once to, you know, to, to ensure the goal, so it was it was fantastic. It was yeah. brilliant for Tonali to get that in front of his home fans on his first game, um, and he again he and speak about Gordon, but Tonali was unbelievable this whole game. Yeah. He was brilliant, and we'll, and, and, and we'll uh, sum up the just, rest of them, but um, but yeah, there was some, some big performances. There was, but you wouldn't be surprised if that early goal and the confidence from Eddie to start him in the first place was what set up the stage for him to go and have a game like that in the first place. Brilliant. I think that I mean the crowd was up for it. Everyone was going. Everyone was buzzing off the the Amazon documentary on Friday night release. Couldn't have timed that better. Um, and look, I mean, it wasn't long before Tonali had an absolutely cracking chance to score his second. Um, unfortunately, sort of tried to tried to kind of dink it around the keeper. Keeper made a good save off it. Um, but yeah, if, if that had gone in two nil up, he'd scored two goals within like, you know, <laughs> 10 minutes, that would have been an absolutely dream start for him. But uh, unfortunately, no, we, we, uh, we did our usual where we're conceding one goal a game. We've, we're, picking up from where we left off last season. Um, and of course, it was the the new boy for Aston Villa, uh, Musa Diaby, who scores the equaliser on 11 minutes. Um, it was it was a, it was a cross from the left. They they play the ball down quite nicely. Um, it took a really lucky deflection off the cross, um, off off one of the defenders' asses, basically, lobbed straight onto Ollie Watkins's head. All he had to do was nod it sideways to to Diaby. It all fell beautifully. A little bit of luck, do you reckon, Dimmy, on that goal? But I mean, you could not fault the finish from Diaby. Yeah, no luck in the finish. It was a it was a cracking finish. I think on the half volley in the end, it was mm. unsavable and, and and a quality finish. But you're right with the cross; it did hit Trippier's ass and sort of flicked its way into into Watkins's pass. So look, you you try and analyze the goal from our perspective and say what we could have done better. Perhaps Burn could have closed Diaby down and not oh, Watkins, yeah. who I think he was on. Oh, not Watkins, the other bloke who was on at the time. But sometimes you just got to say yeah. A bit of luck's gone their way, or it was, it's a good finish. You just got to put your hands up and say, "Good goal, move on." One all, ten minutes, let's go. Yeah, but they uh, they don't have big dog up front for them, and uh, <laughs> we do, and, and that was the difference in the first half. Um, second goal for Newcastle went in on sixteen. Um, it was a sixteen minutes, so it was like brilliantly quick start from both teams to, to get those goals. Um, Alexander Isaac, look, free kick from Trippier. Um, Bruno went off free kick in the middle of the pitch. Trippier's kind of standing over it. 
Sandra Tonali's literally in acres of space over on the right, and Trippier finds him, passes it straight through to him. Beautiful ball from Tonali into the box. Finds Botman, who's run onto the ball, crosses it back over. Um, Isak runs straight onto it, powers it into the net, and then we spend an age looking at the offside. Um, <laughs> now... As a Newcastle fan, I'm glad it was given. I'm as a football fan, I'm still completely baffled by the new yeah. offside rules and what we're actually yeah. meant to be expecting. Um, there's the, the the best thing they can do in this day and age when they're making this many changes is definitely to have refs mic'd up so fans can actually understand what the thought processes are, what the actual decisions are. Um, for me. If that was given against us, I'd have been pretty dirty. Um, it, it was like we had two players offside when the ball went in, one of them who scored the actual goal. Um, yes, Botman was off, was onside when the ball was played in. Um, when Botman got the ball, uh, Isak had gone back onside. So then when Botman put it back to Isak to score, then, you know, yes, okay, fair enough, he was onside there. But pretty sketchy territory. Um, Lee, like, do, do you reckon that what's, – what's your opinion? Goal, no goal, offside. Glad it went for us. Yeah, all those things. It's, <laughs> it's going to be one of those, isn't it, where this season where, um, I mean, there's, there's clear changes. VAR for starters was getting decisions made a lot quicker than they have been doing um, over the last few seasons. So you're, sure, getting answers, sure. you're getting answers really quick. Um, <clears throat> they don't seem to be drawing the lines anymore either. So when you're seeing this on the TV, we're not seeing lines anymore. And then... And as much as you might say, well, that thick red line is slightly thicker or thinner than the other blue line, and therefore, how can we tell if that's really true or not? That's understandable, but it still gives you a visualization with the perspective of the cameras as to where everybody stands. Because you can look at there's a, there's a popular freeze frame going around on Twitter and the like about this exact um, scenario where we scored from it, and you look at it and you can't tell the distortion. You can't tell if it's skewed the perspective. It's very difficult to know where anybody is just by looking at this freeze frame. But just using your eyeballs and looking at that freeze frame that I've just mentioned, we had two or three people offside when that ball is kicked into the mix. The second, third phase afterwards, whatever, is whatever it is, but it's surely inconsequential if the, when, the, when the ball goes in in the first place, there's three buggers offside. Now, if that had been us, I would have been like you, Mark. I would have been absolutely... Fiamen. I would have been fuming like our friends down the road there. I've been absolutely <laughs> filthy um, because it's it, it, what it, the, the rules seem to change and it seems to evolve or develop or whatever, but you still have that kind of understanding in your mind as to what constitutes an offside. And you look at that and you go, that looks blatantly offside. How the hell is that not offside when the ball is kicked into the mix? I don't understand it, but I'm very happy that uh, Botman got his, his square in, and I'm, I'm pleased that it looks simple. But I mean, is that could have balls out of quite easily, mm. I think, given the speed that was all progressing. Um, and yes, lots of past the world's best keeper. So 2 1 Newcastle. Yeah, Dimmy, I mean, as far as Newcastle fans are concerned, that's that's definitely a, a great result for us to have that uh, chalked on, um, not chalked off. Look, uh, you, you're, the, you're the worldly wise sportsman of, of the lot of us. You should know all the rules and the ins and outs, surely. Um, what is the what is the offside rule now? Because like, as, as Lee said, look, we've got different phases of play. We've got this thing where now apparently it's daylight again, is it? Or not? Or it's got to be like feet or 
shoulders or heads or what's the actual offside rule? And if you don't know, then I don't think any of the rest of us have got a hope. <laughs> well, basically, what you guys are saying in terms of Isaac was offside and, and maybe Byrne was as well, they've got to be deemed to be interfering in the play. So <clears throat> unfortunately, with that line in the rules, it says interfering the play. That sometimes is down to interpretation. So sometimes interfering the play is very clear. You touch the ball, obviously you've interfered the play, but potentially you could be blocking someone that's interfering the play. You could be holding someone. You could be making a play at the ball. There's whole different lines of interfering the play. I think what they were looking at in that example wasn't burn. They were looking at Botman, whether he was onside or not. I think they cleared the fact that burn sort of stood his ground and didn't, didn't block the defender. And then once, once the ball hits Botman's foot, Isaac is there's, there's a new phase of play. So yeah. Despite the fact that Isaac may have been offside, a new phase of play starts. And when the balls get squared, he's onside. So as much as it does sound confusing, and it, it is, but the interpretation is interfering the play. And if that is deemed to be not interfering the play, it's a legit goal. Yeah. And that's two, two, and that two is, players going into the box to me probably constitutes interfering exactly, the play. Exactly what I'm going to say. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. If someone if you've got a set piece like that and two, three blokes are running towards goal and they've got like a man's worth of distance between them and the, and the, the defenders, that's got to be just by definition an interference of, of play. I mean, it, it's well, clearly not, clearly not according to what they're doing at the moment. Clearly not. I know no, what you're no, saying, no, but clearly that's yeah. not, that's not what's being interpreted. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, exactly. We'll definitely take it. Um, two, two, one, two, one up at just, half time. Yeah. Just, just on that point, Mark, just want to say, I think there's, a lot of teams are going to get caught out with the fact that Tonali is actually a set-piece specialist. I probably mm. shouldn't be mentioning it here. Maybe we should keep it under wraps, but <laughs> he's got a wonderful right, right yeah. boot, and I think we're going to see a lot of that Trippier feigns to take a free kick or he, he lays it off short. Instead of doing it to Bruno, as we did last year, I think we've now got another expert in Tonali, and if he's going to oh, be putting sure. balls like that onto Botman's foot, we're going to be scoring a lot more goals from set-pieces. I just didn't understand why he was in so much space. It was like nobody was picking No one did up. their homework, clearly. Yeah, no, clearly not. So I don't think we'll be seeing that again. Um, so anyway, uh, going into halftime, um, there's there's three points uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna, I want to have a little bit of a chat over. Uh, the big talking points of the first half weren't actually the goals <laughs> or the offside rule. Um, we had a whistle blown just as Newcastle were like, entering the box in a phase of play um, for halftime, uh, which nobody understands why. Yeah. Um, it, the the phase of play had started. The ref then just literally blows up, and every other time they always let it like you know play out, and then they'll call it. They'll blow the whistle up just as the um, as the phase comes to an end, or the the, the balls uh, sort of kicked out, or whatever. Yeah. Um, just don't get that at all. The ref was was clearly having his own little little world dream as or or something, and uh, wasn't quite on the on the ball with that one. Um, the the big problem for Aston Villa was um, Mings went off with what is now confirmed to be a knee injury, possibly another ACL. So that's two of them. Um, if there's a third goes down, I think you've got to be questioning training methods because if like yeah. there's two players gone down with ACLs, it's like you, you, it's it's ringing alarm bells for me, and I'd be concerned yeah. if I was an Aston Villa fan. And you know, well, what are they actually doing on the pitch, uh, on on the training pitch? Uh, but obviously, the big talking point for most of the Newcastle fans is the penalty uh, or the, the red card shout for Martinez, who decided to take it upon himself to run out and rugby tackle Niggy, who was 
bombing down the wing, uh, not much cover. Um, there was Aston Villa defenders back, but whether or not they were going to get to him. Um, one thing that I don't think has been discussed in terms of um, enough with the commentary that was that was saying it was everyone said, yes, there's Villa fe- a Villa defender back. But yeah, the De Villa defender is the last man. The keeper's ahead of the defender, which means that he's technically the last defender. Mm. Um, in the same way as that if the keeper was still in goal and the defender did that, then it's it's de- denying a, a goal-scoring opportunity. So um, he was wide. There were other defenders sort of like tracking back. It, it's hard to say. Uh, Dimmy, red, yellow, what's your view on that one? It would have been harsh, I think, the red. I mean, we'd, we'd love to have seen a red card then, but the fact that Miggy was so wide probably lent it to the fact that the officials didn't think that Miggy could score from there, which is probably true. But on the other hand, the defenders also, they might be back, but they can't use their hands. So if Miggy lobs the ball in the air, they might have a difficult time to stop that ball going in. So it's, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. The fact that he was wide probably meant it was going to be a yellow card. And once he gave, once the ref gave a yellow VAR, weren't going to upgrade it. If he was a couple of yards inside of the touchline, sort of, towards the 18 yard box, it would have been hundred percent red card. But the fact he was close to the touchline that yeah. the official thought, yeah, he's not going to score from there. So yeah, it, it probably was the right decision decision, but could have gone our, our way as well. Yeah, definitely one of those borderline calls. I think you you'd be unhappy if it was given against you, but you'd be over the moon if it was given for you. Um like Lee, I mean the the main problem with that is to me, he made no attempt to play the ball. He wasn't trying to tackle. He just literally yeah, yeah. took the player out. And it was yeah. it was almost like getting to that point where if there was ever an, an orange card to come in or a sin bin to come in to, to football, um, that's the sort of incident that I think you'd probably be looking at, at getting that sort of uh, thing up and running for, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was, it was borderline, but I think it was probably the right decision yeah. in the end. Um, and Martinez knows what he's doing, of course, and it, it's not like he's went clattering into him and sort of cleaned out Miggy. He put his arm across him and Miggy took the opportunity to fold the floor, as he always does. Um, uh, yeah, it, there, there were people behind uh, Martinez, absolutely. Um, I think, it, it, you know, if he if he, if he he has his arm a little bit too high, if Miggy's a little bit closer to the 18-yard box, as Dimmy says, um, if it's progressed the ball a little bit further towards the goal, all those things would have came into the equation um, in those scenarios, and who knows, it might have been a slightly different decision, but um, I think probably it was the right one. And look, we banged five past Martinez today, the world's best goalkeeper, and um, probably the way that when Olsen came in for him last season, Olsen was terrific as a, as a backup keeper, and who knows how it would have went if Martinez had got set off. Obviously, yeah. it would have been 10 men, and their tactics would have changed, but who knows? Um, and just to touch on Mings, I mean that's that's just desperately bad luck, isn't it? I mean, yeah. he's uh, he's obviously a good player. I do wonder a little bit if that took the wind out of their sails somewhat um, to see him go down and go off, and he was off there. You know, it took ten minutes to get him off or whatever it was. Um, such a big figure for them. Um, yeah, two in space of two weeks or two in space of one week, or whatever yeah. it's been with uh, with Villa there. There's. That's eyebrow reason, definitely, Mark. I agree with yeah. you there. That there's definitely some something like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Um, that's normally a bad sign. That's kind of thing happened to one person in mind too. Yeah. 
I mean, that happens. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, it's maybe we're reading a bit too much into it. But as I said, it's like two of them. You keep thinking like that's really bad luck, but yeah, kind of kind of worrying a little bit. But if there's, a, as I said, if there's a third goes down with another ACL or another knee injury, um, you, you're going to have to be kind of like raising some eyebrows and going, yeah, maybe we need to start looking at what's going on on the training ground. Yeah. But anyway, on to the second half. Um, we come out and it is literally, apart from maybe one or two forays forward for Aston Villa, um, they decide for some unknown reason to start playing a high line against us, a higher line than they already were. Um, and we literally did not let up off, off the accelerator. We we battered them. We chased them. We ran them ragged. Um, it was the typical Newcastle United performances that we we came accustomed to last season um, when we were at the top of our game. And, you know, the third goal, Alexander Isak on 58 minutes. Um, Gordon passes it through to Isak, um, who literally scares the life out of Konsa. Um, I mean, fair enough. Look, Konsa was trying to exchange shirts like before the whistle had gone. Um, Isak sort of comes away with a big tear in his shirt. So, you know, even if he missed that, it probably should have been a penalty. Um, It would have been interesting if that that was given. Uh, But look, absolutely perfect ball. Um, Again, it was started with Tenali in midfield. Um, He's kind of won the ball back. He's he's put a great ball out to Gordon. Um, Gordon's passed it through into Isak, uh, which was like a nothing pass, really. It was a poor uh, ball. It, it, it yeah. was actually like playing it into, into space and hoping that something happened. But the sheer pace and pressure of, of Alexander Isak just, just told, I think. Um, Konsa was so worried about just getting there in, in time um, that he kind of almost forgot about the ball. Um, mm. And then once once Alexander Isak had the ball, you know, the, the fact that he kind of like feigned to shoot it low and hard and literally just dinked it straight over the keeper, took out the defender that was there on the line as well. Absolutely fantastic finish. And I don't think it, it it's like uh, waxing lyrical to say that's like an absolute top draw finish. Um, Dimmy, like how good was that goal from start to finish for the team? Yeah, it was uh, it was amazing. I, I want to try and keep this as PG as possible, but there's a, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of male, adult Newcastle supporters who were thinking some very dirty things after that goal. That was, um, <laughs> that was unbelievable. It, it, just, it just shows. Yeah. You, you wish, but uh, it just shows the absolute sheer, not only class, but the cheek that Isaac has. He's he, the fact that he even thought to, to chip it over from that, from that close. And it, it was definitely not an easy finish. He made it look easy. It's, it just shows us again, he's a, an absolute world-class player and, I think he's only scratching the surface. He's still relatively young, early 20s. He's only been in the Premier League for not even 12 months. And he's already doing these things. And it's it's scary to see. And I think as much as Lee is the Callum Wilson fan, fan club, I think Isaac definitely showed today that him through the middle is, is going to take us to the next level. Oh, for sure. I mean, he, he missed one chance to get his hat trick. Um, uh, M- Miggy put him through, uh, yeah. and you can see he kind of tried to to kick it through the keeper's legs, and and he, Martinez mm. just say got some ball on it and uh, got some foot on the ball, and um, that that would have been an absolutely fantastic way to to seal off the game for him to to take the match ball home. Um, Lee Alexander Isak, best striker since Alan Shearer, would you say? Um. Remains to be seen, doesn't it? But he's certainly going in the right direction, that's for sure. Um, 
Uh, and I'll just say that as much as I think Wilson is a brilliant poacher in the box and, um, you know, he's got a fantastic finish on him, especially like, even on the outside of his boot when he's going away from goal. Like, so a couple of times last season, just phenomenal. I will say that I don't think Wilson would have scored that goal that Isaac, Isaac scored. I don't think he does it. Um, I don't even know if he would be in the position to even get the ball back from concert and, and you know, have that opportunity in the first place. He's more of a more central than he is kind of slightly off to the left. Um just a few other things. I think Gordon's ball was probably wasn't the best. I think Isaac was expected to go to his right, not his left. <clears throat> um, it was it was very much a it, it takes Isaac away from the goal, which is not really what we wanted at that point. Um Concert tries to roll the ball with his foot. The problem is he misses. <laughs> he, he, he missed he missed it because of the pressure from Isaac, I have no yeah. doubt. But he, if he had just you know casually rolled it over the top with his foot, like every other football player can do, um that probably doesn't go anywhere. But he, he kind of missed it just kicked the air, missed it. Yeah. Isaac's pounced on it. And the other thing I want to say is the, the speed in which the Isaac gets that ball from concert and scores, it's it's a blink of an eye kind of thing. It's yeah. it's uh he gets he sees it's free, he picks it up, one glance, kicks it back of the net into the side net, and I think it goes, doesn't it? Um yeah. with a curve uh and loft. And it was all over in the blink of an eye. Absolutely beautiful goal. And and Isaac yeah. oh, two goals already. Um if he continues like this, it's, I tell you what, it's brilliant having two strikers like this, two forwards who can score all kinds of different goals, but they're both on, they're both raring to go. I mean, Wilson was spitting feathers off the time during this game when he came on because he, was, he wasn't getting more goals than, than he wanted. You know, he only had one and he was like, oh, fuck, I should have had two. You know, and, yeah. and he's shaking his head when he comes off and stuff. And that's brilliant for us. It's absolutely brilliant. It's exactly what you want. But there doesn't seem to be any animosity between them either. Um, like they're both happy for the other one to score. They're both wanting to take their chances so that they get picked. But they're still supportive of their teammate as well, which which I just think is is really special. Uh, and it's like it's quite easy, especially for a striker um, who is normally all about me and I want to score and I want to be the main man um, to have that attitude. And it's throughout the whole squad as everyone's just in it together, and it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I was gonna, um, I was gonna, I was gonna say that's no, that's no accident. That's 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 deliberate. Yeah. That's that's from the manager down. It's from the players that we pick in the first place. That no dickhead policy, but it's also no dickhead policy. Yeah, you, you've got to have the right mentality. Otherwise, you've got to have the legs. You've got to have the, the willingness. You've got to want to join the team. That they, they do stress that they've got to want to yeah. come to the club. Um, none of that is by accident. It's all pre-planned and it's it's coming to fruition already. It's ridiculously good. Yeah. So we, we had a couple of extra chances, um, which I think maybe we could have scored from, possibly should have scored from. Um, like Joe Linton gets through on keeper. The keeper puts it through, um, puts it out to Miggy. Miggy probably should have done better um, with, the, with the strike on goal. Um, but look, I mean, it didn't take long. Uh, Wilson came on for uh, for Isak and Barnes came on for Gordon. Uh, the two players going off, literally no issues with them going off. They were both happy to happy to get subbed at that point. They'd both done their job um, and had done it very, very well. But uh, little didn't take a long time. Uh, Callum Wilson opens his account for the season as well on 77 minutes. Uh, again, um, some beautiful link-up play uh, in terms of like just teamwork working through the midfield. Joe Linton, Bruno, and then Tonali again. Uh, beautiful ball through. Um, plays it to Barnes. Barnes kind of goes on, lays it onto onto a platter for for Callum Wilson to score from. Um, it was just, it was from 
from the midfield, just playing triangles around the opposition to that killer ball through from Tonali to just that unselfish ball from Barnes. And, you know, Barnes had another chance where he, he squared it to Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably yeah. should have shot. He clearly yeah. should have shot. Um, and and the, 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 the move kind of fizzled out. But look, the, that team goal um, mentality mm. seems to be a huge factor here. Um, Lee, like you, you've... How do you see the team play within the within the players that are there at the moment starting to get used to each other's game? But how good is it to see that Tonali's like just slotting in there and, and pulling out those balls for us? <clears throat> well, he's he's a he's a class player, man. He's a, he's an absolutely class player. The captain of AC Milan at twenty three yeah. doesn't You're happen by though. accident. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen by accident, though. You know. Um, all right, you, you can sort of say when you when you sign someone from another league, is he going to settle in? Is he going to adapt? And look, this is just game one. Like, who knows what's going to happen throughout the rest of the season? It'll be twists and turns. I've no doubt about it. Um, but it's brilliant to see how he fitted into this team um, so well, so seamlessly. Dealed with the pressure of of that. Um, played so terrifically well. I mean, he, he was so good. He, as well as the vision, he's got the he's got that kind of bite in him as well to go chasing down the ball and and try and win it back. A bit like what Bruno used to have. I think that's kind of lost a little bit in Bruno these days, but. Um, when he first joined us, that was one of his key points. Like you, little Yorkshire Terry, he'll just go biting at angles to get the ball back if he loses it, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, what I want to say as well, though, that goal probably doesn't happen if Emery hadn't decided to change tactics and start playing uh, wing backs. So he went with the five or three at the back, wherever you look at it, and he had the wing backs. Um, and as soon as that happened, and I don't know if it was preordained, I was speaking to Demi before we came on here. I don't know if it was preordained and it was already in the works or not, but shortly after that change in formation from Villa, Eddie Howe brings on Barnes on the wing and he changes his striker as well with Wilson. And before you know it, Barnes is just having the pants down down that wing. And it was happening several times over because... He was in they were so, so much high, space. They were so high up. Yeah, exactly. So, and I said in the chat, I said, Barnes is going to have the life here because it, all he has to do is get behind that that um, fullback who was going to be pushing up, obviously, and there's that space behind and you can exploit it. I mean, that, that basically plays into exactly how Harvey Barnes is always going to play yeah. in this team. That's how he's always done it in Leicester. It's like, you might as well just went, oh, Barnes, I want to see how well you can do against us. Here, let me just set up the back so that you can have a free <laughs> run at it. You know, it was ridiculous. Um, but anyway, I mean, you know, he gets released, he goes in, he squares it very unselfishly. Um, yeah, Wilson taps it away. And, I, and Wilson didn't celebrate much either because I, I had a feeling he thought that was offside as well. There was another one yeah. of those ones where you think, is he yes, offside or not? Yeah. And he just sort of taps it and he's walking away. And, and I'm thinking, ah, uh, yeah, these lads don't think that's gone in. And then eventually, of course, it's given, which is brilliant. Um, and yeah, Harvey does the second square. He, he balls that one up. And then the third time, he wasn't going to do it again, was he? No. Um, but no, it, it was brilliant. And it's lovely to see the team gelling already so early on. But there's a long, long way to go. We can't get too excited about this. Just at this Not point. getting too excited, but uh, yeah. yeah. Not Couldn't too wish for a better statement. Yeah, but the look fifth goal. Barnes did get his goal at the end anyway. Ninety first minute, I think it was. Um, so it's into stoppage time. Uh, again, Tonali's playing a great ball through. Wins the ball back um, just outside of the Villa box. Plays it through to Murphy. Murphy dinks it past, like just ghosts 
the defender from Villa, um, and beautiful <laughs> ball through. Like, and as you said, Barnes acres of space just runs onto it straight through on goal, and there's only going to be one one result. Now, fair play, the keeper got a got a foot to it, but clearly nowhere near enough to to, to stop that shot. Um, I, I loved the fact that Barnes is trademark you know, sort of like shooting the arrow into the crowd celebration uh and the, the fans were all doing it back to him it's like the sort of content you can just watch over and over again um <laughs> he, he just he just looks like so chuffed with himself that he's he's opened his account as well but yeah, yeah um dimmy like great way to finish it off for him um i mean he had he had a few chances looked really dangerous um cracking player we've got scored more goals scored as many goals as asm did the entire last season <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, well, absolutely. Like Lee said, they were wide open, Villa. When they went to the fullback system, it was it was party time for us because we were breaking whatever press they were trying to do. And literally all we had to do was dink the ball into that space behind the fullback. And Barnes, because he was fresh, just had way too much pace for them. Yeah. And he, he was unselfish on two occasions. He squared it to Wilson. One was a goal. One, Wilson should have scored. And then the third time, yeah, he wasn't going to square it. He scored himself. And he does he does look like that sort of player that, when he's in that position, he's either going to score or he's going to set up a, a goal or a goal-scoring chance. He just looks so confident in the 18-yard box or around that 18-yard box. And you never had a doubt he was going to miss that chance. And the luxury we've got at the moment to have those two quality players coming on in the last half an hour of games when defenders are tired, when teams probably can't go with their intensity. And I think that was a, a massive point for us in the second half. Villa just could not go with our intensity and our and our pressure and it's it's going to be a, a hallmark i think again of, of this team and and any team under eddie howe we're just going to try and grind and blow the team away with our intensity in the second half of games and when you've got quality players coming off the bench like barnes and wilson there's going to be massive danger for for any team let alone villa who are experimenting with a with a three five two or whatever they're doing yeah um i mean if you're maddie cash and you've just spent 60 odd minutes trying to deal with uh, Anthony Gordon and his pace. And then he goes off and you've then got sort of Harvey Barnes coming on. It's like you, you'd literally just be like waving the white flag straight away. Um, it, it was just, as you said, we, we we look to be steamrolling teams late on in games just by the sheer fact that we've got this extra fitness level. We've got this extra intensity and other teams just can't keep up with it. They can maybe match us for certain amounts of the game. But if we don't let up, then the other teams can't, can't keep going and it's 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 so far so good our like pre-season we did it um and i know it's only one game of the main season started but uh yeah the signs are there that was that was just brilliant i mean so lee quick question for this though obviously huge result huge huge performance from from newcastle were newcastle that good or were villa really bad or was it literally just a case of look it was pretty even Villa opened up and we took mm. advantage of it once, once they were going behind. I think that's precisely what it was. Um, and I think they were knocked by that Mings, uh, Mings uh, injury because it, it, it's bound to, it's bound to knock you yeah. a little bit when you see yeah. someone go down that end. They think Christ, another one, you know, two of their best players have just went probably for the rest of the season in this yeah. game one. That's got to, that's got to play on your, on your mind a little bit. Um, it was a close game. The Villa definitely had their opportunities in the first half that they didn't take, thankfully. Um, some of the team, some of their players were a little bit off the pace. Cash, I thought, was pretty poor. Uh, Watkins, very quiet um, for the majority. Um, he does tend to kind of disappear, doesn't he? Um, Diaby scored his goal, but 
did he do much else? I'm trying to think of what else he might have done. I can't really off the top of my head pick well, something up. I, that's what I wanted to double check with you two. I while the the attacking aspect of Diaby is clearly there for everyone to see. He's pacey, he's he's got good skills, he's always going to be a threat. And I think he'll actually have a very, very good season for Aston Villa. I think they've got a really good attack-minded player on their hands. But would he have had the defensive discipline and tracking back that we would need? Would he have closed players down that we would have needed for him to be a Newcastle player? No. Nope. I don't, I don't think so. And that's precisely why he isn't a Newcastle player. Look, he's, he's been on the market for all bloody summer. Everyone knew he was available. Um, Craig, obviously, was wetting himself, hoping that we'd get him. But even Craig acknowledged that his defensive yeah. part of his game is non-existent. And we all know that, for, and Eddie Howe demands a full maximum effort from all of his players, front, back, and everything. Nobody gets a free ride in this team. And, and you know, I don't know about his personality necessarily, but... Um, we had the opportunities. We could have taken them whenever we wanted to, but we didn't. So I think we need to look at that. Um, I will say also that I think Leon Bailey wasn't very good. He, um, I was reading the forums. I can't help it. I just have to go on the forums and, and read the <laughs> the uh, the match commentary from the from the other team when we win. And um, almost to a person, they were just spitting feathers when they saw Bailey start. He was so they they don't like him whatsoever. So he was poor. McGinn didn't do a lot. Um, and uh, you know Martinez got beaten five times. I don't think he. I, I don't know. It might be. It's, it's sometimes hard to to blame a keeper when they're kind of in that position where every every mistake usually leads to a goal or something. But um, could he have done any better on those goals? I'm not entirely sure. I think he got sold out by the formation really when the, when it changed and they didn't have enough back. But he actually um, did well. He's he's pulled off some really good saves. Otherwise, it yeah, could have been more. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe I'm being a little bit kind of over, overly dramatic on that point. But I think coming back to the question. It was largely evens, I think, and then they did the formation change. The lost Mings, the lost Mings. Then they made the formation change. Eddie Howe did the chess move, and we just blew him apart. And, and the best thing about this team is that I think we're best in the league at being that kind of team that smells blood and that just yeah. never ever let go, like a dog with a bone. We will not relent when we feel like the the game's there to be really, really taken away from the opposition. And uh, if three one. 3-1, 2 nil, the same kind of scoreline. It's very dangerous to get a goal and then suddenly the tails are up. But we went for the fourth. We went for the fifth. We probably should have had eight. We were just constantly at them over and over again. Game one of the season, we look like we have just came from last season without a break in the middle. It's, it it bodes really well. I hope we don't get any injuries. Our depth of the squad is looking really nice. Um, obviously, one or two more improvements at the back particularly. That'll, that'll really make a fantastic summer of silence. Um, and and let's let's hope we can carry this into the city and, and give a good account of ourselves. Uh, Dimi, obviously Aston Villa has kind of been punished a bit from their formation change, playing a high line, letting us have our our way in terms of pacey players on the break, um, getting in behind them. Um, how do you see that in terms of uh, other teams coming to St James's Park and now? being reluctant to do anything other than just sit deep yeah well some teams can sit deep and some teams can't i think not every team is going to be parking the bus like we saw last season i mean the games we did struggle teams park the bus so it'd be interesting to see once we do face a team like that how how we go about getting behind and, and making chances but yeah i think it was a perfect storm like like lee said in terms of them chasing the game but a team that presses not not presses, but plays a high line like that. It 
it's just suicide against us with our pace in behind. And we saw Tottenham just get ripped apart five goals in 20 minutes last year. And Villa really could have copped eight or nine goals today. And and then everyone would have been thinking, Jesus Christ, what's going on here? But if if you are going to play a high line like that, you have to have a midfield who are harassing and dogging and pressing. And that's just not Tillemans' game. And it's not probably a couple of the other ones' game. So, yeah, perfect storm of... Um, of opponent for us, but uh, yeah, take nothing away from the boys. Do you know what? You, do you know what the XG was for this one? I do not. What was it? No. Oh, I don't know. No. I, I just assumed oh, that you, well, you, you and Jack are our resident uh, XG wankers, so I figured it, you'd it, probably it, know. It, it, it had to have been four or five at least. Yeah, it was four. Least. It was four, and I think they had one and a half. Yeah, it was well, four to one and a half. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of bollocks. So uh, basically, we, we've we've had what four, the last four games against Villa, including preseason. Um, we definitely like the goals between us. That's nineteen goals in four games between the two sides. So uh, yeah, pretty exciting stuff. They're obviously putting themselves on the map for the entertainment value, um, if nothing else. But given the the amount of, I, I verge on saying disrespect from the the global media um, in in terms of. Aston Villa was going to overtake us. They were going to finish in Champions League spots. They were doing really well, and Newcastle were going to fall back. And then you got Carragher and and, and his mates like all sort of saying, "Oh, Newcastle are not even going to finish in Europe. They're going to finish eighth or something." Um, the fact that we came out from from the first whistle, obviously home game, first game of the season, but it just felt like the team had a point to prove. Uh, and it felt like they were they were really kind of just buzzing to to get out there and 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 pick up where they left off last season and show well look hang on we're not going away we're not going anywhere um, if anything we're just going to get better and better as as we start to to pad out this this squad and and you know as you said we've got quality on the bench now that we can bring on um, for say so called lesser teams um, we can rest some big players and have them on the bench where we still having the likes of Anderson and Longstaff and and um, Murphy who are all doing really well for us. So yeah, the the, the signs are really good for us. Um, but look, Eddie, Eddie being Eddie, um, we've just hammered someone 5-1 and played brilliantly well. He's straight on the meet, on, on the, the interview saying, right, no, that's great, but we've got Man City. It's the toughest game in the league. And he's right. And it's like, well, this this game actually means nothing unless we go and, and give a good account of ourselves at, at City. I'm not expecting us to win that game. And, and obviously we'll do a we'll do a preview pod um during the week, I'm I'm assuming. I'm not sure who's on that. But uh Dimmy, like do do you do you see this game being dangerous in terms of like, well, we just hammered Aston Villa, who were supposed to be our main rivals. Um, yeah, clearly we should be going to Man City and, and getting a result. Um, do you think fans will get get carried away with it? Or do you think this is just like, well, you know, this is what we can do. We're not going to be scared of anyone. Should should, should we go at Man City and, and see what we can get? Fans might get carried away. That's probably fair enough. We just won 5-1 on the opening day, but... There's no way Eddie Howe and, and the team will get carried away. He, that's just not how we're built, and that's just not how he's built. So I'm not concerned at all about him getting carried away about how we've, how we've performed. And it's probably, in a perverse way, it's probably the good that we're playing Man City away next after this game because, I mean, if we're playing, let's say, a lesser light away from home, potentially there could be a, a bit of a letdown. But you're playing the champions at their stadium, game two, there's – any thought of letdown, I think, will be whacked out of him pretty quickly. So, yeah, because it's Eddie, not concerned. 
huge, huge opportunity for the the club to make another statement, Lee. Uh, even if we lose the game, but if we can go toe-to-toe with Man City and give a good account of ourselves, how does that set us up for the rest of the season? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have uh, help, does it? I mean, I've, uh, as I've said in the previous pods, I've always thought it's good to get these kind of teams early before they have a chance to get up and running and to have the you know all the triangles and squares and rules of passing all sorted and absolutely greased and, and slick and, and uh, yeah all right it's C so to a certain extent they're already kind of there anyway because that's because of C um score three against Burnley of course um they're at home I think um yeah before we know it could be another three three I mean I know that was at St James but if if both teams feel in the mood to have a go at each other then it could be a game of that nature uh, and that'll do us a world of good and uh, nobody expects us to go and win that can often work in our advantage as well um just as you were saying there about filler being expected to overtake us or whatever um so i think it's hard to know what is gonna happen in the next game but you can count on anyhow taking it just as seriously as every other game just as if it's a luton town or anybody else with no disrespect meant but it's going to be the same process it's going to be the same uh, preparation he's going to be drilling the same messages into the players um the players have just shown that they can blast away a team whenever they want to and i don't think there's any reason why we need to go to city and sit back and try and defend and hope to hit them on the break i want us to go there with a positive mindset and see what happens. You, Man City aren't bloody superheroes. They're not invincibles. You can force them into mistakes. The problem is a lot of teams don't try to do it. They let mm-hmm. them sit back and they let Man City try and play around them and hope that it's like deep block will, 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 will help somehow or keep the score low. But I've seen before, if you chase down their players, they will make mistakes like everybody else. And hopefully yep. we can do that and hopefully we can pounce who knows? And of course, we're in for a nice, uh, nice showdown between the Scandinavian uh, strikers and seeing who's going to come out on top in that one. With Isak and Haaland going head to head, that's going to be quite tasty. So, uh, yeah. yeah, two two goals each for the season so far um, could could be interesting. So, uh, right then, let's let's wrap things up there. That's been fun. Um, obviously, it's always nice to to have a bit of a chat about the the, the wins, let alone when it's an absolute drubbing like this one. Um, absolutely fantastic we'll be back uh sometime during the week um potentially i can't even remember when the next podcast's on i believe it's thursday um but yeah thanks for everyone for watching um cheers boys for uh for doing that i've had a good night um reminiscing about some of those fantastic goals at sort of 3 a.m this morning uh and i am gonna go and have some kip so i will catch you guys <laughs> later good night everyone cheers mark cheers everyone how are the two mate <clears throat>